really well and I uh, love them all. Let me pray for Roddy. He's going to bring us the word this morning. Father, I pray for uh, for my brother Roddy. Pray that you would uh, anoint his words and his message, that you would guide and give him the things that you want to teach us this morning from your word. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Rob. The shears took us in when we didn't have a place to go and transitioning from churches. Now it's always tricky. And uh, one of the things I remember is I, I kind of commandeered his oldest son's room that was all made up in Braveheart attire. And there's like a shield on the wall and a sword and a kilt or something. I don't know. And, and when he was gone, I would slip in there and I had my own room for a little while. I don't know if you ever knew that, Rob. <laughs> but... Uh, if I had a watch, I'd take it off and put it right here like I'm doing with my phone. You know what that means? Yeah, nothing. That's right. But it is 10 o'clock, and it's a good day to be alive, and I'm honored to be here. And all of you at home watching, mom and dad and my four sisters and whoever else is out there in the world um, watching online, welcome. We're glad that you tuned in. And in some spiritual way, I know you're, it would be like if you were sitting here with us, so I pray that you're as blessed as anybody here, and that God does whatever he wants to do. And one thing that Larry uh, Granger always prays, Pastor Larry, if you're watching, uh, you know, is, is may the Holy Spirit say more than, than I say, and uh, just to kind of get out of the way, you know, and let God do what he wants to do. So if you just join me in prayer, I'm just going to, I know Rob prayed, but I'm just going to say one more prayer. Uh, Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for every single person that's here. Lord, all of us matter to you because you made us in your image. And we are honored and humbled to be your friends, your servants, Lord, and to be involved in anything that you're doing on this earth for our short stay. Lord, we are so thankful and very, very grateful for your forgiveness and your love for each one. And I pray, God, that your will is done today on earth as it is in heaven right here at Abundant Life Church and, and beyond. Father, fill us with courage, Lord, to do the work you've called each one to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I've got my Bible, and I'm opened here to the very first. I'm going to throw it up on this slide here. Um, but I'm going to read it from my Bible here. I keep this Bible um, by my bed oftentimes, and that's something that I, I talk to the youth about. I'm the youth pastor, by the way, in case some of you don't know me. And anybody that's here for the first time or not here very often, welcome. We're really glad that you made uh, made this Sunday to come here. Thanks for joining us. Um, love to shake your hand and get to know you. So I'm going to just start here. It says in Isaiah 43, but now this is what the Lord, your creator says, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, and you can put your name in there. He made you too. Do not fear for I have redeemed you from captivity. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you will be, you will not be scorched, not, uh, Will the, nor will the flame burn you. And then I've got a few more. You can go to the next there. Um, just jumping down. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bring your offspring to the, out of the east and wherever you're scattered. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Those are powerful words. Those, those should encourage us. Though we walk through the the fire, the flame will not scorch us, or when the waters rise. It's encouraging. I've been kind of reading over Isaiah a little bit here and there, and just reading these words that, that were inspired by God, that God said through his servant Isaiah, and I just started to personalize them. You ever do that? Sometimes you read through the scripture and you just put your name there, you know, because you know God is speaking directly to you. Uh, oftentimes through through the word. And so I'm, I'll be sharing different um, passages today from the word, little quotes here and there, Bible verses, but also I've got some quotes from some heroes. Rob mentioned one. He mentioned, I can't even believe that this day is 500 years when Martin Luther 
was basically he got up with a lot of courage at 38 years old. And Rob was just telling me after he stood his ground and said, no, this is what the Bible teaches, and I'm not going to be moved, he was quite sure that they were going to execute him. He was a dead man standing. He just knew it. And one of the magistrates over that particular land kidnapped him, took him to a castle, and put him there for nine months where he translated the Bible into German, which is kind of, Rob was saying, like our King James for Germany, still used today. That's pretty powerful stuff. And so today my, my message is on courage. And there are some amazing people in this room right here that are full of courage. And because of some of you in this room, I'm able to stand up here and mom and dad at home and share this message. Because I used to be so scared. This is the number one fear for a lot of people is public speaking. If I get up in front of somebody, I'm going to say something dumb, and I'm going to look foolish. Well, join the human race, right? So I uh, I figured I would go ahead and uh, get over that and serve the Lord anyway and look foolish because you're going to be somebody's fool. At some point, somewhere down the line, you're going to look dumb. <laughs> I know it's true for me. And so I'm just going to be willing to do that for the Lord. Um, even if I find myself in a place like Martin Luther, Lord help me, he got out of it. And then you know what? He got married later and he, his life went on, but he could have been killed, but he didn't care at 38. He stood his ground. And some of the other people we'll talk about is the same can be said. So let's look at courage real quick. Um, this is from the Webster's Dictionary. Mental or moral strength to venture, preserve, and withstand danger or persevere. Fear or difficulty. So that just kind of gives us a little bit of an idea here. So I've got a few quotes to kind of dive into this courage thing just a little bit. And just a couple of uh, stories here. And then in a little bit, we're going to hear from some of the younger crowd that I hang out with every Wednesday night right up here. And they're going to tell you a little bit about what they're doing in their lives and uh, and how God is using them in courageous ways. So um, you can flip to that next one there. Courage, so I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis. I had so many C.S. Lewis quotes, I had to filter them out. I mean, he says so many good things. Uh, Dr. Brummett mentioned that last week. Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point, which means at the point of highest reality. Courage is pretty important, isn't it? And over and over in the Bible, it says, do not fear. Take heart, I've overcome the world, Jesus says. And so these are things that, that, you know, we need to think about through, throughout our day. What is it that God has called you to do? And that's, that's a repeating question I ask the youth all the time. What is it that God has asked you to do? It's not going to be the same as me, probably. There may be things God asks you to do that are similar, but you're you. God's put you on this planet for a specific reason or reasons, different things he has you doing. And to do those things, we all need this courage. And the Holy Spirit wants to infuse you with lots of it. And boldness kind of goes along with that. Um, so, uh, let's see here. The next thing we've got, next quote. Billy Graham, this is what he said. The Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh God, forgive me. Or help me. Now, I asked the youth not long ago, I said, how many of you ever, you know, wake up in the morning sometimes and you just, you'd rather not get out of bed? You just feel kind of down or discouraged or you just go through the day without any, you know, what's the point to life kind of thing. You know how many people raised their hands? Almost all of them. Well, I think Billy Graham would have raised his hand too, and I raised mine. I mean, we all have those kind of days. Welcome again to humanity. I don't know anybody that goes through life fully every single day without ever feeling discouraged or down or, you know, maybe there's some of us that have a much fewer days like that, right? Or moments, and I pray that's the case. Uh, but we all, all the greats I've ever read and it, Christendom have really downtime, you know, and it's not some of them get so discouraged they just want to die. 
Maybe some of you have been there or felt that way. God wants to give you courage and boldness today to live the life God's called you to live. And that's part of my message today. So the question, what has God called you to do? What do you do when you feel like this? Well, this next quote uh, kind of helps with with that. Warren Wearsby, amazing Bible teacher. Some of you may have uh, heard some of his messages or sermons. But he uh, he says, the remedy for discouragement is the word of God. That's one reason I keep this by my bed. It's the first thing I want to pick up in the morning and the last thing I pick up before I go to sleep. Even if it's just one scripture, that's what I'm focusing and thinking about. And so he goes on to say, when you feed your heart and mind with its truth, you regain your perspective and find renewed strength. And I don't know about you, but I've found that to be very true over and over and over. And very encouraging um, to go to God's word. And so here's an example of that. The next slide, Psalms 119.05. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. My sister Annie, Annie, if you're watching, uh, you may remember this. She used to take her Bible and she would put it open like this, open it up, and she would put it right here by her bed and she'd be, if I could lay down here, she'd be here, you know. And in the morning, she'd wake up and slide her feet around. She goes, oh, the Bible, I can't step on the Bible. And she'd pick it up, and she'd be forced to read it. Right? Whatever it takes to get this in your heart, your mind. Maybe it's on your phone constantly when you're picking your phone up. I want to pick this up before I pick up my phone. And that's one of the things, too. I've talked to the youth. What if, what if you just slept with your phone in a different room? Like, how about we get away from this a little bit? And we, we get more more into this over here. And so I'm constantly looking for ways to do that, right? And so this is a great verse. How many of you want your feet to be lit up? You want to know where to put your next step? I do. It's very helpful, isn't it? And so the more we're in the Word, the more this happens. And oftentimes, he'll just give you that little bit of light. You know, they used to put candles on the end of their feet and strap them on their sandals or whatever and so that they could just see just to the next step at times when it's dark and you need to know where to put your foot. And so God won't always give you, you know, the whole picture, but he might give you just enough for the next step. And so I love this verse. Okay, this next one here, this is one of my favorite verses. And since I'm talking about courage... Um, there's several things in scripture that have just really popped out at me that I know God has really put on my heart to not only practice and do, but teach. And so this is one of those. This is a very sacred verse for me. This is the very last, one of the last things that Jesus told his disciples before he went to heaven. And some of us have this memorized. We know it as the Great Commission. And for a while there, I used it every single Wednesday night. You know, you may have heard about the guy that preached the same message every Sunday for a year. Someone's like, well, why are you doing that? He said, well, until they actually get it, you know, my church gets this and moves forward. Well, I'm just going to keep preaching the same thing. (laughs) So it's something to think about. This is one of those verses that is constantly popping up. And it just says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There's so much in those verses, just those two verses right there. We could take the rest of the day and talk about it. So just one tiny little aspect of this verse, um, I'm going to just give you more of an example rather than uh, teaching. So if uh, Lisa and Lola, if you guys want to make your way up here, these two young ladies, uh, are they come every Wednesday night that they can, and I asked them to do this this morning. So they are operating in a lot of courage. I woke up this morning and started thinking and praying. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is a perfect example um, of this verse. So I'm going to let them tell you about that. And Lola? Okay, so on December 30th, um, we always do four minutes of silence on Wednesday nights. And so on December 30th, I was uh, thinking during these four minutes. And I was like, um, I want to get baptized because... Um, I got baptized when I was eight, but when I got baptized for the first time, I felt like I was just doing it because um, around that time, a lot of my friends were doing it, and I thought it was something just to get over with, 
Um, so I didn't really understand it, but I wanted to get baptized. So I really got closer to God um, recently, and so I really wanted to get baptized. So um, I told Alyssa, I was like, hey, I really want to get baptized. Well, technically I didn't say that. I was like, hey, I need to tell you something. And I went over to her house the day before her birthday because we were going to spend her birthday together. And so... Yeah, um, so Lola texted me, and she said, you know, we need to talk. And at first, I was running through my head, like, what did I do? Did I do something to make her mad at me? <laughs> but then um, she told me when she came to my house that she wanted to get baptized. And so we talked about it, and then we prayed. And we read a couple Bible scriptures, and then we called Roddy, and we talked to him about it. And then we talked to my parents about it, and then we talked to her parents about it. So it was very fast, but it was planned out pretty well, I'd say. And so I filled up the bathtub, cleaned it out, and then I dunked her for Jesus. Thanks, guys. Isn't that awesome? I wish I had a picture that they um, sent me um, of them in the bathroom there in the bathtub where that happened. And now, as she, uh, Alyssa told me the other day, she said, well, we're dis- I'm, we're discipling each other. I said, well, that's great. How does that look? And she said, well, every night we call each other with the scripture and we talk about it before we go to bed. And what a great example. You know, it says that as one man sharpens another or one woman is another, so iron, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. And that's what's going on there. And that's – I appreciate you all being willing to come up and share that because – Somehow, some way, God's word is taking root. You know, a lot of ministry is just sowing seed. A lot of your life might just be sowing seed. And when you do that by faith, even I've become to come to believe that even a smile and a wave done in faith is a seed in the kingdom of God. Some say, well, how in the world? Don't you need to share the gospel? Well, what if you did that every day just in, in faith? And even if you don't get to talk to that person, I can't talk to every person that I pull up next to at a red light or see walking by or that, you know, drive by at the abortion place where I go every Saturday. I can't get to all those people. But, you know, a whole lot of communication is through our looks, isn't it? It's it's through our body language. And so I believe that's planting seeds. There's so many different ways to do it. And then in those two young ladies' lives, they're literally in each other's lives daily, encouraging each other with the word and discipling each other. Many of you in this room have helped disciple me. You've poured into my life. You've bought me meals and taken me on trips and inspired me to to do things that I do today. I wouldn't be doing them. I wouldn't be up here if it weren't for my parents back home. Uh, one of my first youth pastors way back in the day is sitting on my on the second row. This is Trey Reynolds, and Trey's a, a man of great courage. He's not afraid of anything. He 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 goes to Africa and he'll go into the slums in Tanzania in a Muslim area and preach the gospel. Uh, Adam Granger, he's, he almost, they picked up stones to stone him one time in Kenya, I think it was. And he just kept preaching the gospel. There are people in this room who've been in very dangerous places and they did what God wanted them to do and they weren't afraid. They had courage in the Lord. And that's what we all need. And I just again ask the question, what is God asking you to do? Are you doing it? Maybe there's several things yet he wants you to do. You know, your life, no matter how old you are, it's not over. You're here today for a purpose and a reason. You're breathing. That means God has something for you. And if, I wish I could look every one of you in the eyes and, and tell you that, how valuable and important God has made you to be for such a time as this. That's an encouraging thing. We all need to hear, you know, how many times do we need to hear this stuff, that you're valuable and loved? Well, apparently a lot. I have to hear it, you know, again and again. It's true. It's all through the Bible. And sometimes, sadly, a lot of people around us don't hear it enough. And maybe you can be the person to encourage somebody this week with that word, that you're valuable and important. And Psalms 139, I knit you together in your mother's womb. You know, before one day was formed, I, I made you. I, I thought you up. You know, God has a plan for you. So part of it has to do with making disciples. Who are you pouring into? Who are you taking intentional time away from your personal life? And, and you know, many of you guys are doing that by raising kids. I think some of the greatest heroes in this room are moms. 
I almost want to do another quote from C.S. Lewis on that. It's not Mother's Day. Oh, why not? We'll go to the very last. I think it might be the very last. Yep, the very last slide, just for fun, and then you can pack, go back to this one. This is a quote that um, C.S. Lewis has here. And uh, it says, I'll go ahead and read it here. The homemaker has the ultimate career. All other careers exist for one purpose only, and that is to support the ultimate career. Yeah. This is super important, especially when you view it through the eyes of Scripture. You moms out there are raising people that will change the world. Who who raised Martin Luther? You know, where did... I mean, who... There's so many examples of this. And my own mother, she's, you know, raised five kids. And, you know, I heard someone say the other day, Pastor Henry from Uganda, one of Trey and my friends said, if your mother carried you for nine months, you owe her that. If that's all she ever did. She did nothing else well. She carried you for nine months and gave birth. She deserves that, that respect and that honor. So thank you moms out there for all that you do. Please keep doing it. You're you're going to change the world. Okay, so let's go back to the next slide just past the one with the pyramids. There you go. James 5:16. Here's another one of those scriptures that um really um I, I talk about this a lot with the kids, and it's it's one of these practical things that we can practice, and it's something that I, I practice. It's, it can be very difficult at times. This is not an easy one to do, but um, it says this, confess your faults. Another translation, translation says, confess your sins one to another, and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man or woman availeth much. And I mean, again, we could go on and on with this, just this one scripture. But the point I want to bring out is that something I've practiced in my life is that when I mess up, I have found two, three, maybe four, sometimes more trusted people in my life that I can go to and talk to them about. Hey, this is what happened this week. Here's where I stumbled. Here's where I fell. And I have learned that if you want to get, if, if there's addiction in your life, right, something you can't break and it just goes on and on, I believe that's demonic. One of the ways to break that is to obey God's word by confessing your sin and not just to God. You know, God knows when you mess up and you should go to God, right? And, we, you know, that's the first thing we should do. But then this verse here and many others that I could point to, First John uh, 1, 7 and just different places in Scripture tell us that, Oh my goodness, we need each other. We need somebody else to listen to us, perhaps, or for us to be able to look in their eyes and say, hey, I did this. I've done that with Trey many times. I've told him, hey, this happened this week. And then he'll pray with me. And the blood of Jesus washes it all clean. Isn't that great? And you can start fresh. So this is something I teach, uh, just repentance. It just, it's, it's very humble. It doesn't matter how old I get. I'm going to find a trusted soul and I'm going to talk about my sin. And I'm going to ask for forgiveness and I'm going to humble myself. And that this is a way to freedom. This is a path that God set up. And if we obey this, it's amazing what will happen in your life. Truly. So I just wanted to, to share. Those are a couple of things. Making disciples, you know, like you heard about the girls doing. And then what James says here, you know, about confessing your sin. Those are two areas where God wants to give you the courage to obey. And, you know, some some of the kids hear me say this from time to time. You know what the highest form of worship is? It's obedience. When we obey the Lord, it's not a song that we sing. Yes, we can worship the Lord in song. And I hope that you do. And it's a beautiful thing. Music is super powerful. But what about just obedience and doing something as simple as James 5.16 tells us to do on a consistent basis? What if you did this as worship to God? It'll it'll change your life. It, it, It certainly has mine and others around me. So let's see. 
I've got a, uh, another slide here that's not in my notes, but I think it's the next one. Here it is. So this is a list. Th- this is a very short list of courageous people. I mentioned the courageous people in this very room. You know, I could go on with a huge list of folks in this room. And Martin Luther, who's not even up here, who 500 years ago today, you know, stood in front of the Catholic Church and and basically gave up his life at 38 years old. So, but here's some of the people I just want to mention in the Old Testament. Moses, who led the children of Israel out of bondage. An amazing man of humility and strength and lots of courage to stand up to Pharaoh and his entire army. Right? We could go into, we could talk for weeks on, on Moses. Uh, Daniel. Daniel's one of my favorite characters. You know, he went through four dynasties. Four. Four different kings and rulers. I'm not even sure he ever got to go back to Jerusalem. And he was threatened over and over. His life was put in jail. His friends were thrown in the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was thrown into the lion's den. What a horrible, scary thing. And they said they put a big old rock over it so that, you know, he couldn't get out. He was stuck in there all night with these lions. And he prayed to his God and he, you know, the king said, Oh, Daniel, has, has the living God, has your God delivered you from the mouth of the lions? And he said, Oh, king, live forever. He said, My God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. And it was found that not a single hair on Daniel was harmed. Isn't that powerful? What a courageous thing to do. And then it said that they, they threw all those other guys and their families into the lion's den. And before they even hit the ground, the lions had broke all their bones and destroyed those people. It's kind of rough. Not a, not part of the Bible story we t- probably tell our kids. <laughs> but it's true. And Daniel made it through four different kings. I don't know of any negative things said about Daniel, actually. Maybe someone can come and educate me on that. But just an amazing man of great courage. And we need people like that to stand up for what they know is right today in this world that we live. Uh, and then there's David. <clears throat> King David certainly uh, doesn't have maybe the, the cleanest record when you put him next to Daniel. But God used him anyway. And he slayed the lion and the bear. As a young man, watching his sheep, protecting them. And then comes this Philistine giant and uh, takes him out with one little stone and wasn't afraid. God gave him courage and he went before the giant and slew him. And then he took that big old giant sword that he later, later kept and he cut off his head. He drugged that head all the way to Saul and threw it at his feet. That's pretty courageous. I bet his brothers got a different view of him after that. So King David is an amazing person of great courage and faith that we can we can look to. And he also continued to repent. He would mess up and then he would say, you know what, I did that, forgive me. And God would forgive him. Sometimes there's terrible consequences for his sins, but he always humbled himself before the Lord. And he had said as of David that he had a heart after God's he had a heart after God. He was a man after God's own heart. And then there's Esther. <clears throat> what an amazing, incredible story where the, the Jews were on the edge of distinction once again, right? They were going to get wiped out or extinction. And so Esther gets called into the to be a queen. I mean, just an amazing story. And, you know, she is at a place where it could be really bad if she could go and, and hand the scepter to the king and the king could, you know, basically say, nope, not interested in that today, off with your head. But she stood at a time when her people needed her the most and she went before the king and gave her, made her request and the king found favor with her. And she went through some, some work with that. There were different parties and different things she had to do and she had Mordecai helping. And then of course, as we know, Haman hung on his own gallows. And that's what's going to happen to Satan. All these traps and things that he sets for God's people and at the end of time, it's all over. He's going to hang on his own gallows. And so we don't have anything to be afraid of. Even if we die on this side of life, we've got eternity to look forward to. And Esther gives us that picture. What a courageous woman of great faith. 
And then as we move through into the New Testament, I just picked a couple. There's so many. There's Paul, right? Saul became Paul on the road to Damascus. We're in that ninth chapter of, of Acts right now. It's truly inspirational, amazing, powerful story, you know, where God basically knocks Saul off down to the ground in this big bright light. And there's Jesus shows up and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he asked the question, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. And Saul says, what do you want me to do? And he tells him, go into Damascus and stay at this place. He gives him a vision of what exactly to do. In another place in Damascus, there's a man named Ananias, which means gracious gift from God. How would you like to have a name like that? And he has a vision, and the Lord tells him, go to the straight street. You know, in Damascus, to Judah's house, the house of praise, you're, you'll find him, you'll find a man there named Saul, and you're gonna pray for him, and he'll see. And he says, ah, he says, yeah, Lord, are you sure about that? I'm probably on his hit list. I don't think I wanna go see that guy. And the Lord says, never worry about that, Ananias. I have called him into my service, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias goes and obeys the Lord. Paul hadn't eaten for three days, drank or eaten. He's on the edge of death. If you don't eat or drink in three days, that is a very bad thing. He's completely wiped out, blinded. Ananias lays his hands on him, and he receives his sight. A man of courage and strength, willing to go into the enemy's camp. I mean, Saul could have... You know, if he didn't repent, what would have happened? Not, not, might not have worked out so well for Ananias, but he trusted the Lord. And he went and was that gracious gift of God to Paul. And then what's so cool is that the very city, Damascus, which was flowing with commerce and people, there was a lot of Christians there in the way, as they called it, and it would have spread. The gospel would have spread throughout that region in the world, and that's one of the reasons I believe Saul was going there to stop it, right? To stop that spread of the gospel. And so he had Ananias there, and when Paul flipped, when God flipped the script on Paul, Paul stayed there for several years preaching the gospel. As soon as he could see, it said that he got up, he got baptized, then he ate food. He strengthened himself. He got baptized first, and that's something I see in the book of Acts over and over. People didn't wait. They found water and got dunked. And then the gospel spread because Paul stayed there for several years. You know how many people got saved? I'm sure there was revival in Damascus. What an amazing, incredible story. And then we've got Peter and John, people that walked with Jesus. Saw him eat, drink, sleep. And it says in Acts 3 and 4, they were walking by the gate beautiful where there's this guy that had been there for, I don't know, 30, 40 years. I'm sure Jesus walked by that guy many times. Guess what? He left him there for a time and a purpose. He said, hey, do you have any silver? Do you have any gold? Do you have, I need alms. And Peter and John went over to him and they said, look, silver and gold, we do not have, but what we have, we do give you. Stand up. And walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Yeshua HaMashiach, get up. And he took his hand, Peter took his hand and raised him up. And he began to dance and jump around. There was a crowd that came around. Peter saw that there was an opportunity, shared the gospel, took the opportunity, was courageous, stepped up to the plate. And they started having revival. Well, some of the people that didn't like that so much, right, the religious leaders... They didn't believe in the resurrection and that Jesus was who he said he was. And they came and they were able to arrest those guys, Peter and John. And they threw them overnight in prison because it was too late in the day to prosecute them. The next day they they flogged them and they, they threatened them. They said, never again preach or talk in the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus. And they said, you, you know, whether we serve God or man, you decide, but we choose to serve God. And they went out almost immediately. They went back to their people and they told them what happened. You know what those people prayed? 
over the disciples, two main things. They prayed for boldness to spread the gospel and signs and wonders to follow. That the word of God might go out and that people would be saved, right? When Trey's out doing ministry, and I've seen it happen, he'll he'll be praying for healing and people will get healed. And then he's able to share the gospel. The whole purpose is that people turn to Jesus, not just that this amazing thing happens where somebody's leg is grown out, which I've seen happen. But it's that the gospel is preached and shared that people come to know the Lord and that there's repentance. And so that's what the church of Acts prayed with Peter and John. And then they went right back out and they started preaching again. Like, why would you do that? They're probably going to throw you in jail and this time they might kill you. They didn't care. They kept on doing it. Talk about courage. Talk about faith. You know, and another way to spell faith, I love this, is risk, R-I-S-K. You got to take a risk. And you need courage, and the Holy Spirit wants to give you that courage. So there's just a couple of heroes there in the New Testament. And then in historical heroes, oh my goodness, I could go on and on with this one. There's just too many to name. So I'll just pick a few. And we have St. Patrick's at the top there because uh, I, I just love talking about him. I won't go into his whole story, but he was kidnapped by barbarians and t- drug away across the Irish Sea to Ireland to become a slave for the barbarians. And then once he escaped, finally, after some time and got back across over to his safer home in Britain in that time... The Lord called him in a vision or a dream or somehow said to him, go back over the Irish Sea to the people that enslaved you and share the gospel with them. And that's exactly what he did. Why, oh, why would you do that? Well, Ireland experienced tremendous revival and people began to get saved. And we, you know, there's now we celebrate St. Patrick every 17th of March, I think it is. Truly an amazing historic Hero of the history, full of courage. Harriet Tubman. Uh, in a minute, we're going to watch just a short clip of her. Out of all these people, I felt like we're, this is one to just kind of focus on for a minute. But she lived back in the 1800s, and she was just this phenomenal woman of great faith. And she was a slave, and then she wanted to to begin to help get others out of slavery, and that's just what she did. In the face of a whole lot of people saying, no, you can't do that, even though it's a, it's a good thing to do. So we'll, we'll see some of that in a minute. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, another guy, he was safe out of the clutches of the Nazis and he decided after being freed up, the love of his life wanted to marry him. He had so much that he could have done in his life and lived a long, prosperous life, but he decided to go back into Nazi Germany and try and save the Jews as a German pastor. He was put in Nazi prison camp. They're in jail, and before we could get to him, they killed him. He wrote wrote some amazing books, The Cost of Discipleship. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And so as a Christian, that's one of the things you have to consider, or if before you become a Christian, am I willing to die for my faith? Because if not, What is the point of following Christ? I don't know. We have to die to ourselves daily. He may not ask you to die physically. He might. But maybe sometimes dying to yourself on a daily basis is harder than having a bullet put through your head like Rachel Scott, who in four days from now, it'll be her 22nd anniversary of Columbine High School, which is another hero of the faith to me. Some of her cousins are sitting on the back row. I traveled with that family for a dozen years, 15 years. We went coast to coast all over the place sharing the story of Rachel Scott who was murdered for her faith on April the 20th of 1999. And I, I meant to have her up there as well. But she's a hero and she had a lot of courage even with a gun to her head. Tremendous faith. And there's Randy Alcorn. Some of you have read his books. He had wrote a big old book called Heaven. It's all about heaven, uh, all from scripture. He wrote another book on how to how to answer those who would um, how, how to debate abortion. It's a great book, and you know I learned about him. He I think it was back in the eighties, maybe um, the abortion uh, giants decided to take him down, and he went through bankruptcy and lost everything. 
Randy Alcorn's a hero to me. He took it for God. And now the Lord has put him back in a good place, and he's writing books again. And he's doing what God's called him to do. His story is amazing. If you get a chance to look up Randy Alcorn, great writer. And then Oma Eva, she was pulled out of a concentration camp for the, um, the communists. And you know what she does now? She's in a wheelchair. She's pretty old. She's in her 70s, I think. And she goes around to abortion places where they kill babies. And she parks her wheelchair right in front of the doors. And the cops have to come and arrest her. She says, I lived through one Holocaust, and now I'm going to stop another one. She's been arrested in multiple states over 50 times. Right here in Mount Juliet, it happened. This woman loves Jesus. She loves babies, and she loves family. She loves God most of all, and she's willing to be arrested and put in jail to save a life. She's a hero to me. And what has God called you to do? You know, he may not have called you to that, but he might have called you to something else. He might call me to something or Trey something or someone else in here to something that might land you in jail. What are you going to do? Are you going to serve God? Just like John and Peter in their day. And we may be coming into days in the future where some of us have to make some really hard choices. And I just want to encourage you, whatever it is that God has called you to do, to stand and do it. Because the end result is worth it. Whatever it is that God has planned, his glory will be in the earth because you did what God called you to do. And so I want to play you a a clip here with Harriet Tubman. This is from a recent film. How many of you guys have heard that, or seen this movie before? The Harriet Tubman movie, that more recent one? There's a number of you. Um, super powerful. This woman is a wonderful lady of great faith. And she followed the Holy Spirit. I don't think she could read. She couldn't write much. But she did what God called her to do. And so here, here's a clip of her standing up with courage. And if somebody wants to grab those lights back there, Kevin, if you wouldn't mind. You guys got that clip ready? Watch this. Harriet. So sorry to hear about your sister. I failed her, William. We failed her. Harry, this is uh, Senator William Seward. Miss Tubman, it's an honor to welcome you to my home. My condolences. How can I help? Five hundred miles. Five hundred miles from the Mason-Dixon line, Canada. An unimaginable distance. Slave catches are monitoring all northbound travel. God help the man without free papers. How are we going to get our passengers from the southern farms and plantations all the way to the border of Canada? We can't keep trying to outrun them. We have to fight. The only way to make the fugitive slave law a dead letter is to make half a dozen or more dead slave catchers. That will cool their ardor. Maybe right. Civil war might be our only hope. We can't just give up and wait for war. We need to get back to work bringing slaves to freedom. By a train or carriage, horseback, on foot if necessary. Harriet, the journey from Maryland to Canada is 600 miles from the Canadian border. Your longest trip was 100. Now, that would take months, not weeks. You can't... I ain't giving up rescuing slaves because it's far. Many of you don't know slavery firsthand. You were born free. You've been free so long you forget what it's like. You've gotten comfortable and important. You got beautiful homes, beautiful wives. But I remember. Children beat for not working, for they understand what work is. 
Girls raped for their first blood. Brothers whipped to their back and ripping sisters. Sold from their babies. Try not to think of what they went through. Those still enslaved are going through right now. But I've heard their groans and their sighs. I've seen their tears and I would give every last drop of blood in my veins to free them. So I ain't giving up. I'm gonna do what I gotta do. Go wherever I gotta go. However I gotta do it. To free as many slaves as possible. To this beast, this monster called slavery is slain dead. Amen. Yes, sir. And she did, too. Harriet Tubman. Whew, it gives me chills when I look at that. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, she was able to save over 300 slaves on 19 trips to the south, back and forth. And then in the Civil War, she helped lead people, a group of men, where they were effectively able to save over 750 slaves. And, you know, she went through a lot of hard things. A couple of things that happened to her while she was in slavery. There was a slave owner that was throwing some heavy object at one of the other slaves and it didn't hit them but it hit her in the head she suffered with seizures and terrible migraine headaches the rest of her life and she still went on and did that but you know there's someone that did even more for for us than anybody i've mentioned today and he came as a very as a baby didn't live very long on earth 33 years and he experienced more pain and suffering than anybody alive. He had the entire weight of the sin of the whole world on him. And it said that it even pleased the Father to crush him. Because it was the joy set before him of honoring and obeying his Father. And I believe to have a relationship with every one of you in this room. And so I want to read a scripture here that talks about Jesus. And here's what it says about him in Hebrews. That next slide there, Will. Be strong. Well, I'll read. Okay, I'll read this first. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. Take courage. And so this next scripture here helps us to take courage. In Hebrews, it says this, Melchizedek is the last word in this verse. <laughs> this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, and even Jesus having become high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus, when he died, I was explaining this to somebody else the other day. The, the veil, the curtain, may have been three inches thick or so, maybe bigger, ripped in half. And the veil between the Holy of Holies was ripped. And Jesus became our high priest. And now because of that sacrifice and his obedience and the blood that was spilled, we can have access to God himself. Isn't that powerful? And so he's the, the greatest person that I can point to that has the most courage. In all the universe and all throughout history of the thousands of years of humankind, Jesus Christ takes the win. And he's coming back again. And we're to proclaim that until he does, right? And when we take communion with one another, we do that as well. So what I want to do is just practice something that we've been doing with the youth to, to end our time. We're just going to have three, four minutes of silence just before the Lord. And I just encourage you to let God speak to you or maybe just obey the word that says, be still and know that I'm God. Psalms 46, 10, that's what it says to do. How often do we do that? 
I've been challenged to do that more in my life, even if it's a couple of minutes a day. And some days I miss while I get the next day. I just sit quietly before the Lord and, you know, just listen. And sometimes he speaks and sometimes he's just there with me. And sometimes he reminds me of things I need to repent of or confess to somebody. And so I'm just going to pray. Maybe we could just all close our eyes. And we'll, we'll take a few minutes of silence here. And then when you start to hear music play, if the Lord's telling you to do something, maybe give a word to someone that's in this room on the other side of the room, go do it. We'll just take a few minutes and allow some obedience to happen. Maybe you, you want to pray for somebody or have a word for someone. We'll just take a few minutes to do that. Or maybe it's just something that you need to get real between you and God and just confess, repent of. And I also have a couple of people I wanted to just come up here and stand with me just just for a minute here or two. Uh, Trey, if you can come up here. Uh, Joy Shear, if you can come up here. And Phil Eeks, if, if you wouldn't mind, sir. Um, and these guys are just going to be up here after the moment, the few moments of silence. When, the, when you start to hear the music played, we're not going to bow down to anybody but Jesus Christ. And these guys are here because if you have a prayer need or you would like more courage in your life, they're going to pray for you. And we're going to believe God can do the impossible in your life. And there's many other people in this room that would be willing to pray for you and have powerful voices. And so if, if you know someone like that in this room, you just walk right over. To, you don't have to come up here. And so I'm going to just set my, my time here to about four minutes. And then when you hear that music played, just obey the Lord or come up and get some prayer. So, Heavenly Fathers, we go into the next few minutes of just silence before you, God. I ask that your Holy Spirit would bring to mind things that we need to know. Lord, if there's someone here that, that needs to know you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, and just surrender their life to you for the first time or whatever it may be, Father, that they would do that today. They'd make a profession of faith. And if they're at home, Lord, that they would do that. Jesus, they would put you first. They'd call out to you. You promise they will not be put to shame. Those who call upon the Lord will be saved. And Lord, as when the music plays, Father, whatever it is you call us to do, may we be courageous. Fill us with courage, God, to do your will, to confess those sins or or to go and give someone a word or just to pray for someone or maybe come down here and have someone pray for them. Father, that, that you would start a work in our hearts even today that would continue until our last day alive on this planet, that we would fulfill the plans and purposes that you have for our lives and we would do it with passion and courage because you set the example, Lord Jesus. I pray all this in your precious name. I have a few moments of silence, and then when the music plays, you'll know what to do. In Jesus' name, amen.